0: Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hi everyone, this is Natalina, your host of the Rise Up For You podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited to uh, interview today Yaro Sarak. He's the founder and writer of EntrepreneursJourney.com. He really is truly a genius when it comes to blogging, online marketing, um, and he has a lot of information that he's going to be able to give to us today. He started as an entrepreneur, he still is an entrepreneur, and he's managed to you know, sell and be a part of a number of internet businesses. And today, he's living what he likes to call the nomad lifestyle, where he's basically able to work anywhere in the world from his laptop and i have to tell you um you know part of the reason why this podcast exists is because of Yaro. when i created it a couple years back i mean he his ep, his website his blog is what popped up when I researched how to build a podcast and he really does bring incredible valuable information to those that want to start a blog want to start a podcast and uh, really want to build an online experience and an online business so rise up for you and enjoy this episode Yaro thank you so much for joining us here today on the Rise Up for You podcast it's such an honor to have you on the show I always like to start off the show by letting our audience get to know our guest. So can you tell us about yourself and what it is that you're currently doing?
1: Certainly. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I I currently uh, live the laptop lifestyle. That's the phrase I like to use. So I've, I've been traveling Uh, You might call it like digital nomad lifestyle, the other alternative phrase. So I've been traveling around the world and running my business online. I've essentially been making my living from blogging for the last – well, I've had a blog for 12 years and I've made my living from it for – I'd say a good uh, ten of those years. So it's a long time now, especially in internet years. And even before I was blogging, I had uh, various online businesses. I had an essay editing company uh, when I graduated from university. That was my main business. And even while I was in university, I had a an online card store as well. So I have basically made my living somehow from the internet uh, since I've been, I was an adult. And certainly in the last you know decade or so, it's been all about creating content. You know, writing, podcasting, selling my own uh, products like ebooks and a membership site and, and online courses, and uh, being able to do that from anywhere in the world. Ideally, I'm in Ukraine right now as I talk to you. So that gives you a kind of a feel for the lifestyle.
0: That's so incredible. And we, we have so much to talk about because I think this is uh, something that a lot of people really, um, they're working towards this idea of being able to have a more flexible lifestyle. But just out of curiosity, how did you get into this field and and really um, create this niche of blogging and kind of having this uh, nomad lifestyle that you've created for yourself?
1: Well, the nomad part of it was actually a goal from the beginning. I, I didn't see blogging. Uh, in fact, blogging didn't exist when I started online. So, you know, it wasn't actually a, a pathway I saw back then, but I knew I did not want a job. That was my, my only goal, goal, really, in university. And, you know, even as a, a teenager thinking about what's in my future, must avoid full-time work because it sounds like a horrible thing to do to spend your life at a job, uh, you know, working for someone else and having a capped salary I wanted freedom, including financial freedom and time freedom. Uh, so that meant figuring out how to, first of all, make enough money to move out of my mother's house, and then second of all, uh, you know, more th- than that kind of money so I could potentially travel the world and, and do what I liked. So for me, there was a bit of fortuitous timing there. I just happened to turn 18 when the, the first dot-com bubble was happening, so I, I saw the internet become a place for doing commerce, and that's uh, kind of what made me see it as a possibility for my a business. Uh, I was pretty confident a business was the way to get the kind of freedom I wanted. I knew some people had, you know, inherited money or done it through real estate or trading in the stock market uh, or even winning lotto, you know, is another possible way. None of those things really felt accessible to me, but starting a business did. So I knew business was my thing. Uh, and the internet looked like the great new frontier for business. So um, that's why my first two businesses, my card game business, and, and definitely my essay editing business, they were built to give me freedom. And I won't say that they were my passion. Like I don't love or didn't love those businesses as much as I do what I do now, which is writing and teaching and you know podcasting and so on. But they were the first taste and the first experience I had of, of being able to travel and make my living from the internet. So I have I have to sort of give credit to those experiences first for, for giving me the freedom. But in terms of how I got into blogging, which I have to say, I took things to the next level for me, um, it was almost by chance. I, I was actually running that essay editing company and a friend of mine who was also uh, you know, a heavy internet user, this was in the year 2004, Said there's this new thing called a blog, and you should check it out because it's a great way to get traffic from Google for free. Uh, Maybe you'll use it for your editing company. So you know, I I did some research and I didn't really know what blogging was. I installed a blog on my editing blog uh, business, my website, and I tried to write about the subject of proofreading and editing, and that was really boring. I wasn't actually the editor myself, but I found myself loving talking about being an entrepreneur, so talking about running the business and and the things I'd done in the past, and that's why at the start of 2005, I decided to kind of ditch the editing blog, but register this domain name, entrepreneurs-journey.com, purely as a hobby, meant to be a place just to share stories from my own entrepreneur's journey, that's why I call it what it is, uh, not really knowing that it would then become my main business and here I am talking to you twelve years later, still running that blog, still running that business. So it kind of was a bit of a, a lucky start, very different to how people start today, because we, you know, the, the pathway is, is there. We we have people to follow, we have mentors, there's, you know, courses, there's proven business models, lots of support services. None of that was available to me. So I kinda had to make a lot of it up as I went along back then.
0: But I have to say, you've done such an incredible job. I mean, when I built my podcast a couple years ago, your article is what helped me. You know, I went to, I stumbled upon your site on accident, just researching, you know, how to start a podcast or what, what microphones are good, you know, and, and the content that you are creating is so, it's just so great. It's so helpful And I guess that's kind of my question for you is that I think people are really starting to embrace this idea of being able to make money, have a flexible lifestyle, work from home. And I think there's quite a few people that are starting to get the hint that, you know, a traditional workspace doesn't need to be in an office from 9 to 5. You know, you can make money online in the business world and bring in an income, sometimes a passive income. It's also creating an environment though that can be very inundated, right? So there's a lot of bloggers that are out there. There's you know, podcasting is, is still growing. And I think people are going in with this mindset that I'm gonna blog, I'm gonna podcast because I wanna make money. I see these other people doing it. And it just doesn't work that way. It takes a lot of work, it it takes a lot of hustle. So you know what are some things that um, I guess you can some tips or feedback that you can give us in somebody that's wanting to to jump into this world to monetize it. It really isn't that simple, right?
1: No, it's a funny thing that that sort of idea. I just want to do this to make money, and, and I get it because my first. Business was also primarily to make money. That was my goal. That was my need. You know, you feel that pressure. I hate my job, or I'm not making enough money, or I've got family to support, or I've got a mortgage to pay. Whatever, need more money, right? So it's hard not to think heavily on that as a goal. And I actually do advise some people: if money, like if you can't pay your rent, then don't start a blog as a way to pay rent. Doesn't make sense get a job even a part-time job or be a freelancer you know do something to get some revenue coming in quickly and then give yourself your nights and your weekends maybe or maybe a couple of days off to actually work on the business now when you work on that business that needs to be something that you're seriously considering as a life change it's not just how you're going to make money it's going to completely change the way you live your life you're you're going to have to basically give birth to a baby in a lot of ways is the best way to put it Um, you know you have to go out there and uh, come up with first of all the obvious need is how are you going to help people and who are you going to help and therefore what are you going to sell them as well to help them solve their problems. So there's that initial research phase of discovering needs in a marketplace, uh, researching a target audience to learn about their emotions, uh, their life situation, their demographics. You know um, That's important and that's actually where most people who I coach uh, go wrong at the start. This is by far the biggest mistake is that they think they have a topic for a business, a blog, um, but they don't really know the audience they're trying to serve. They just think, you know what, you know, people probably need to learn how to uh, lose weight by eating raw food. I'm just going to do blog posts on recipes with the raw food and I'll, I'll go out there and you know find some customers where it's better if you go looking for a group of people who actually are ready motivated who are already spending money on that sort of thing and then build what you do your blog your articles your podcasts all whatever it is you decide to do in terms of content around that need to that specific person and understand why they do it as a great example you know if you're eating raw food as a way to lose weight who are you are you you know a body Builder who's just trying to get your fat down, you know, to a very small amounts. So you've got definition. Maybe you're a mother who's just had, you know, a child and you just want to lose a bit of the weight after the pregnancy. Very different people with very different goals. Yet the subject of losing weight with raw food is still relevant to them. But I guarantee you, if you build a business around that one person, you know, the the mother who wants to lose uh, post-pregnancy weight. The way you present the content will speak to them, and that will get you that loyal audience that you need to then make the sales. So I think for anyone just starting who's listening to me now, yes, we're going to aim towards making money, but your primary goal should be learning about the needs of a certain group in the marketplace so you can go out there and really produce targeted highly valuable content just like you said before that you came across this article I'd written on podcasting you know I wrote that thinking about a certain type of person probably a, you know a marketer or a, an entrepreneur who wants to use a podcast to reach an audience to sell their digital products and services so I'm you know writing to that person when I produce a piece of content I'm talking to that person right now as I give this interview so it's really clear it has to be really clear in your mind who are you going to help? What are you going to help them do? And then everything else is kind of born from that in terms of the content, the products you sell, the marketing you do to reach an audience, and so on.
0: Uh, there's no really, um, I guess, quick, you know, quick fix or quick uh, tips and strategies to, to build this and to start, like you said, it's like giving birth to a baby. But with so much that is happening right now um, in the online world. What are a couple key factors that you suggest in order to stand out? You know, to make sure that you don't kind of get swallowed by everything else that's in mm. the online world.
1: You know, the great thing about the online world, although it's so new, it's still full of human beings. Mm. So, what what works to get the attention of human beings it still works on the internet as it did before the internet. And I think the the most obvious example, or, or almost like a comparison you can make, is the art of publicity we we all are very familiar with before the internet we had newspapers we had magazines you know we had radio and television think about what got attention and it's always stories and it's usually unique stories about interesting situations and people and and that's what still works today on the internet it's just a new channel to share unique stories so if you're a person you know a coach a teacher a consultant any person who's looking to package up your knowledge and turn it into an online business where you're essentially, you know, selling your products, it could be eBooks, membership site, online course, and you want to use your contents, so you want to write articles or podcasts or do videos or maybe all of those blog as your platform. What you need is what I basically simply put a, a claim to fame or a hook in publicity terms, your hook, you know, every article has a hook. So you as a, a, a person who's marketing your story need to have a hook, and that story is the presentation of that hook. So it needs to be something that when you, for example, speak to a journalist, or if you're pitching yourself for a guest article on a blog, or you're trying to get interviewed on a podcast... There needs to be something that is very compelling about your story, and it needs to be kind of like a news bite. You know, you can literally introduce it in a few sentences, uh, and, and that should be unique to you. So, if you can come up with either something you've lived through, something you've achieved, maybe you've helped a certain person or a group of people do something, maybe you have a you know a celebrity connection, or you've written some new a new book with you know new science or new technology, uh, you, know, you could have done the thing that you're actually going out there to promote, you know, maybe you visited every single country on the planet. Not many people have done that. So that's already an interesting angle. Um, you know, I, I make money blogging and I travel the world. That's a big part of my hook, my story. That's why I'm, I'm talking to you in a lot of ways, I think too. So you need to sit down and, and be very clear at what you help people do. And then how do you translate your story to present yourself to the world in a compelling way around that message of what you help people do. So if we go back to the raw food angle, uh, just to continue that example, you know, imagine you're a mother who's had three children, and every single time after you've given birth, you've gone on this special raw food diet, and you've lost all the weight within two weeks. I'm obviously pulling it off the top of my head here, but you've got what you could basically call this guaranteed uh, post-birth mummy belly reduction system that you've, you know, applied <laughs> to your set your own uh, life three times now it keeps working and maybe you've even done it for uh, some, some of your friends, maybe some clients and so on. That's the sort of thing where you could literally, you know, get yourself on radio shows to talk about. It's a compelling story to every other woman out there who might want to lose weight after having a baby and they want to do it quickly. Uh, so that's your angle, you know, and the fact that you've lived it makes it more compelling. And you could you could pretty much, I think, go from podcast to podcast, you know, write guest blog posts, get yourself on radio and TV just around that one story so that's what you're looking to do find the unique story around the area you help people with Uh, and this can take some time like don't if you're listening to me now trying to think of what your unique story is don't expect to necessarily have it pop in your head straight away it does take a bit of massaging some conversations with people you know maybe speak to even a marketing coach or a publicist to sort of I get, get a feel for how to package up what you do into a compelling, powerful message. But that's what it takes to stand out. Think about anyone you listen to now. They probably had some sort of breakthrough event now or some sort of breakthrough achievement that's become the story that they then basically ride from one channel to the next getting exposure.
0: You know, you just um, touched on it a second ago about this concept of time, uh, and you know, not really rushing the process and making sure that your messaging is right and your marketing is right. You know, um, I think that there's there's a good chunk of people out there that start to build something and they're excited about it, and within a matter of a couple weeks, sometimes months, they're not seeing results and they kind of just drop it and they let it go and they realize, okay, this isn't for me. You know, what um, you know, from your professional expertise. What, you know, what feedback can you give us with this concept of time and building? You know, if we're doing this for five years and we don't see any results, is it time to close the book? Or, I mean, what is your gauge on that if you have one at all?
1: Mm. I mean, five years is a long time. Like, if if nothing's changed in five years, then you've been probably at it for four years too long. (laughs) That would be my advice in that case. Um, The thing with... Running any kind of business and just getting it started, assuming you are taking some kind of action, even if you're not quote-unquote succeeding, you are getting a result because you're learning what doesn't work. Or you're, you know, you're testing theories and finding out. Okay, there's no traction here. So there's no such thing as standing still when it comes to being an entrepreneur. Uh, if you're standing still, you're not an entrepreneur. You're probably watching TV or, you know, still working a job or not actually doing anything to grow a business. But if you are actually taking steps you know, testing the waters maybe speaking to a few people in your industry maybe even going as far as setting up a blog and an email list to try try and grow your uh, your email list get your subscribers going there's all kinds of mechanisms there to gauge response you know are you getting um, a visitor to your blog are you getting your first email opt in you, know, you know are people opening messages you send so there's no there's no vacuum here you don't do this and and get no feedback whatsoever it's not possible not to get a any kind of result because even not getting a result after doing something is a result you're finding out okay that didn't work right. so the, the way i recommend people go about this process is treat everything like a scientific experiment without getting too emotionally involved in the speed of your results because the, the real danger here is your emotions derailing the process, not the process itself, not even the world or the marketplace derailing the process. It's simply you getting negative feelings after getting what you think are poor results because it's a guarantee at some point in time You're going to do something and not get the result you want. And if that means you then fall into a a deep depression and throw it out the window and go back and do the job you hate or, or whatever, then that's what kills the project. It wasn't whether that was a viable business or not. It was simply your emotional response to a result. So if you can switch on your kind of rational scientific brain and go, okay, we're doing a test Here's our goal, here's the criteria, we're going to set up a blog, we're going to set up an email list, we're going to try and get our first subscriber to our list uh, and see what if we can do that. Or even more simple, it could be I'm going to try and talk to one human being in my industry and find out what they're spending money on now to solve the problem that I'm looking to solve. And that could be enough just to get your, your juices flowing, You know, get some information, and then you can take the next step with your next goal, your next research step. So if you treat it that way, uh, it's pretty straightforward because you'll you'll get your scientific answers, and you might find that okay, yeah, you've done this for three months. You've realized there's not really a market that of uh, people that spend money on what you are hoping to to target, and then you just pivot, as they call it in startup world, which is change ideas or change the way you do your current idea. You know, change direction or delivery mechanism, uh, and that almost every startup will do something like that along the way because you always have to refine your message, your product, uh, who you focus on as you learn more about them. I've done it. I, I'm always doing it. Every time I learn more about my customers, I'm changing my, my future plans for products and marketing and so on. So it's it's an iteration process that begins when you start your business and never really ends. But as I said, it's the emotional component you have to watch out for. and And, and that's on all levels. You know, you don't want to hold on to an idea and find yourself there two years later, uh, just because you are so stuck to wanting to make a certain idea work. There's a time and a place to go, no, this is not going to get me to where I want. And I'm going, it's like being in a bad relationship, right? You want the relationship to work, but it's just not going to, yet you're you're too afraid to end it. But sometimes it you need to end it to find the better relationship. Same story with the business. Sometimes you have to leave the business to find the better business. And there should be you know, some timeframes as long as you're actually taking action to get feedback, to get results.
0: That's, um, that's some really great feedback that you, um, that you've said and and you've put it in such an eloquent way that I think will make sense to anybody and everybody. Um, your content is so, valuable. Do you, are you doing, just out of curiosity, I mean, are you constantly doing research and staying on top of the trends? I, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff out there, but when I, when I read your work, which is why I reached out to you, I always walk away with something that's incredibly beneficial. So how much time do you spend, you know, researching and setting the market, or is it really just through experience that this is all happening?
1: Well, I certainly spend more time in the early days, keeping on top of things, I I probably do five percent of what I used to do. I'm um, I'm a wholehearted believer in. The, the, the um, maybe not the ten thousand hours concept, but certainly in specialization. I think everyone, and, and probably you know the person listening to this too, you probably have some kind of specialization already, where you have spent years of your life involved in a field, involved in an interest. Even it may not have been something you do for a job or a career. It's just your your interest, your hobby, your passion, or or maybe life circumstances put you in a certain situation, which led to experience. So, if you focus your energy and your, your attention on something for long enough, like I have literally been running some kind of web based business since the year 1999. So, you know, we're, we're getting close to my 20th anniversary. Even if I'm not actively today, you know, reading all the news sites on what new membership software got released or what update was done to the Google search engine algorithm, which is, I do not do any of that anymore. I used to, um, but I very much and this is a very important point, I built a business that was designed to operate without me once it was set up. Lots mm-hmm. of hard work in the first few years, and it does require uh, you know a bit of a refresh now and then, but it follows a system that um, I write content, and this is what you would have read. I think that article you probably read on podcasting, I wrote that I think maybe even eight years ago. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. I might have been updated a bit once or twice since then, but it's not new content, right? And my my sort of ethos with content has always been do a great job because this piece of content should have value for the next decade. And that means you can kind of rest once you've got it all out there. And that that's very much what I teach my students to do too you know don't don't be a news blogger or don't be a news content creator where you create something that has value today but tomorrow it's old news it doesn't do anything for your business there are some business models that follow that the traditional magazine blog will do that because you know it's it's whatever it's Huffington Post or mashable uh, or Business Insider they're covering the daily news but they have a team of you know hundreds of journalists and that, that's a different business model what we're doing is where one individual you need to share your expertise by writing powerful content that has long-term value so you could spend maybe two years and i would you know i want to be honest with people you probably will need to spend two years getting all your best ideas out of your brain and into helpful content and during that process yes you'll probably be researching you might be drawing on your previous research you've done Um, and this is the great thing about blogging you're always sharing results of your life that's what is at the heart of blogging and Mm. podcasting to a degree sharing your life or maybe other people's lives through interviews and that's that's kind of pulling years of research condensing it into an hour-long podcast or you know a, a 2000 word article and that's the benefit you can tap into by taking what you've done over maybe the last 10 years and then just putting it into content on your blogs. So you don't have to do a lot of research. You can just tell stories from what you've lived through and what you've learned and what you've done and uh, create great content. Now, you might need to do some research if you're in a scientific field. You know, some people who are writing about health need to learn more about the components of the body and the components of products you might be promoting and, you know, how scientific chemical reactions work. Um, Same with maybe history or or politics, you know, those sorts of subjects. But if you're doing subjects that are fundamental in the sense that they don't really change if you focus on the fundamentals, for example, marketing, it's a subject that on the surface looks like it changes constantly. Like it's Facebook one day, then it's Snapchat, then it's, you know, uh, Instagram, and then now we're talking about something else. And those are tools. The tools will change every day, but the fundamentals of good marketing will always remain the same. Hmm. So if you teach the fundamentals, then your content stays evergreen. So that's a really important attitude to sort of have, create these, I call it pillar posts, pillar articles, pillar podcasts, pillar content. They form the pillars of your content strategy on the internet. And that means they have long-term value. So I, I can write a blog post 10 years ago that still is bringing in traffic for free, which is in turn bringing in customers for free as well. And that's actually how my business works. So you know, I try and instill this into everyone I teach, Although it's not going to be quick, you could put in, you know, a year or two and live off that work for the next decade, and that, that to me is a pretty good, uh, you know, chain, exchange. If you want to do more, you can. You know, you can take this as far as you like. I've, I've sort of throttled back. I, I travel way more now than I work, or I work on other business projects not as much as I do writing as I did in the past. You know, but that's up to you. You can take it wherever you want to.
0: Yaro, I really, really appreciate your time today, and I'm, I'm sure it's quite late over in the Ukraine. Um, so much value that you've provided with us today. I'd love to jump into the power section of the interview with you. Can you tell us one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on you that you would recommend to us?
1: You know, I've got a few. Do you want a business book or a, or, or a personal development book?
0: Whichever you prefer.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I, I really found um, – Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography this is uh, this is kind of a bit of both it's personal development and it's it's business because Arnold Schwarzenegger is probably most people know is a person who's transcended different industries you know from bodybuilding to, to movies and then politics and he's got some amazing advice there on how no matter which field he was working in he still had to market himself and had to go out there and promote what he was doing whether it was being a politician to get elected to promote the movie that he was starring in or to promote the bodybuilding industry in order to get more support so that he could you know, make it into a, a well-known sport. So to me, that was huge because a lot of people who are artists or creative types don't realize you have to be a marketer as well. So I think that book, it's a great story. but It's also a great lesson in marketing as well.
0: And what's one thing that you've accomplished that you're proud of so far?
1: For me, the the most uh, thing I'm most proud of uh, is the fact that my business actually turned into what I wanted it to be, which is a, a vehicle for freedom. But to make that really... Specific, I can tell you exactly the moment when I was. This is kind of minor, those two moments, but one in particular is, is from the more recent years. I wanted to create a way to sell something simple like one of my ebooks when I'm not there. So I know it's a cliche, but the make money while you sleep scenario, right? Now, I'd made money, lots of money from blogging, but a lot of it was launch based. I had to send a lot of emails, do a lot of work, uh, and that's how I made a lot of money. Or I had to write blog posts and I'd make advertising money. What I wanted to do was create a blog post, create an email course that would then sell an ebook, and someone could. Google search, find my blog post, join my email list, go through that free email course, and then buy my ebook without me ever touching it. And I actually set that up for the first time about five years ago. It was the first ever funnel it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the the first time an ebook sold without me doing anything, and it was just so it was a real sense of proof of concept. You know, a lot of people talk about making money while you sleep, but this is like. This is well and truly. I did nothing, and since then I've sold you know thousands of, of my products using that methodology. But the first time it happens, it's was like that. That's the proud moment. That's like really proving the concept.
0: It works. <laughs> it's yeah,
1: it's it's like wow. That, this this strategy actually works.
0: <laughs> and throughout your journey, what's one value that you've always stuck stuck with that you never compromised?
1: Um. You know, I I work in a a field where people talk about money a lot. Um, You know, internet marketing is is a field of, let's say, scammers in a lot of ways. A lot of people have a lot of skepticism about, you know, believing income claims and believing stories about traveling the world and, and, you know, who to trust and all that. And for me, and this is why I'm so grateful for uh, being alive when blogging is an option. It's how I discovered that I love writing. And what I've Done throughout my my blogging career is try to be as transparent as I can uh, through storytelling, of course, and that includes talking about some you know very personal stuff. Uh, a few years ago, my mother was in hospital and passed away, and there was some I blogged about some of that, and that's you know not something I would have ever considered you know talking about in a public forum, but it made a lot of sense and it was actually you know good therapy for me too. Um, and then contrast that to you know talking about uh, the first time you you make a hundred thousand dollars from uh, a campaign online, and just really breaking it down and talking about maybe your costs and uh, what what worked for marketing, just being completely open with the, the numbers, the feelings, the emotions, and not trying to pretend to you know be something else because it's a lot of people who lie about their financial success, uh, a lot of people who you know are, are trying to push a story that they're not personally living, mm. uh, and and for me like I didn't feel congruent ever doing that i've actually had better success talking about failures in a lot of ways than successes as long as there are some successes eventually too right (laughs) but i think for me transparency uh not only does it help your business it actually feels a lot better so that's been important to me um, throughout my my writing career as a blogger
0: if you could leave the world with one final message we call it the golden nugget here what would it be
1: uh, you know, it's a cliche statement, but maybe a bit better one than the "make money while you sleep." The cliche statement of "you know, do unto others as you would have done unto you," like that, to me, is always the most effective and powerful. Statement to ask yourself whenever you're doing anything to anyone because you can turn around and say, if someone did this to me, or if I said this about someone else, or if I was going into a business partnership and I was in their shoes, or if I was in a relationship with this person and I was treating them that way and they're hearing the words I'm saying, uh, you know, or even, you know, so, something simple if someone's having an experience when they're crossing the road and I'm there and, you know, just being able to step into their shoes and go, what would be the, the appropriate way to act? that to me like is the most powerful statement because it gives you a reference point for someone else's experience and we're the i think we're the only species certainly on this planet that can do that we can actually pretend in our minds and in our emotions that we're someone else and that's a unique power so i think being able to use that in all walks of life and also as a business person is a is a pretty special gift so you should you know tap into it as much as you can, it it counteracts the ego, which is the opposite of that, which is always trying to work on your, you know, what you want and it's about you. So if you can flip it to do onto others, what do they want? What are they feeling? You can, you know, really make a difference that way and understand where they're coming from.
0: Mm. And Yaro, as you know, um, you know, the company, the podcast is rise up for you. So just wrapping up the interview here, what does that phrase mean to you when you hear it rise up for you?
1: You know, for me that, really i love it because it's so uh, powerful for entrepreneurs i think you know uh, that another phrase you know don't die with the the song still in you or the music still in you that's what you're saying there is to rise up and actually do the thing that you want to do let out the the creation that you want to create help the people that you want to help and that in turn helps you right because that's you know the, the second part of the the title there and it's it's so important because you know, no one does uh, – well, some people do do everything for other people, but most of the time there always is some kind of feedback mechanism that means you benefit too. So by helping others, you can have a profitable, successful business. Uh, so it's a win-win situation. So to me, that's it. Don't – like the worst-case scenario would be not to rise up, which would be to stay doing the thing you don't like, stay in the job you hate you know, or you know, stay in a comfort zone when really just taking a few steps out of it and would change your life, and you can rise up from wherever you are now. So I think that that's what it, that's what it says to me.
0: Yaro, it's been uh, such an incredible interview with you. I I really hope that one day I get the opportunity to meet you in person because uh, you really. Again, you add a lot of value, and, and you're very intelligent, and this was a really great conversation and so honored to have you on the show. How do we stay connected, and how do we support you for our listeners that are maybe just learning about you and want to learn more?
1: I, I- Appreciate your kind words. And the simplest way to find me is actually Google my name, uh, Yaro Y-A-R-O. should be somewhere on that first page. You can find my blog, my podcast, uh, my, my free reports. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to become like Oprah and Madonna and get that one name, <laughs> fame. So Y-A-R-O, Yaro is all you need to remember.
0: Wonderful. Thank you again so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you again for joining the Rise of You podcast. Again, this is your host, Natalina. We want to make sure that outside of the podcast, you're still growing and always getting continuous knowledge and our six pillars. So we want to make sure that you head over to our website, www.riseoffeud.com, and take full advantage of the free resources and the benefits that we have there. We have articles and contributors from around the world. We have a number of other podcast episodes, webinars, and a ton of tools and strategies. Strategies and tips that are going to help you rise up to the next step professionally and personally. You can find us on every social media avenue. We're on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Rise Up For You. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Everything is at Rise Up For You, and we would love for you to join us. And definitely, you're going to want to head over to our website, www.riseupforyou.com. And get your free startup kit. We have compiled the top podcast interviews, the top webinars, and the top articles that fall in our six pillars. Plus, a free startup guide, The Six Pillars to a Prosperous Life, that's going to help you take that first step to really finding and building the life that you want professionally and personally. So again, if you head over to our website, www.riseupforyou.com, you get access to that startup kit for free. And don't forget to share. Our main mission is to empower, educate, and connect women globally, and we need your help to do that. So please help us spread the word, spread the message, share our content, share what Rise Up For You is about, and help us help you and other women around the world. Thank you again for joining us. Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow.